Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to another edition of Battle Red Radio. I am your host, Colt Molesky. Once again, joined by Nico DLG on the ones and twos, making sure that everything sounds pretty here as we record. Thanks again for joining the podcast for the SB Nation's Houston Texans blog. We want to make sure that we're keeping you up to date with everything as we race towards the season. Nico is just days away, and you know that the season is around the corner when you have roster cuts, when the roster is cut down to 53 men, and you're getting down to where you're starting to feel what that team is going to look like, what this squad is going to look like heading into the season. Obviously, you can still make some moves, but this this is a pivotal part of the preseason when you make that cut. And uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about some surprises, some thoughts going away from the 53-man roster cut before we got into a long view look at the season. We'll get into that segment in a sec in a second. But first of all, Nico, how you doing, man, my friend? I'm doing well. This is uh, it's nice to be back already so soon. <laughs> hey, absolutely, I love it, and we're trying to bring people content throughout the week, and so we're glad to be recording right away again wanted to take a look and let's dive right into the 53-man roster so obviously when you're you're cutting down there's going to be some some departures I I don't know if there's you know I haven't gotten a chance to look at every single team's cut down on the roster but there's going to be some that you're oh that's that's an interesting departure but I don't know how many surprises you're going to get and when you look at something like the the Marlon Mack cut I think that falls into the category of, huh, that's interesting, but I don't know, like, really looking at how surprising it is. I I don't think anybody's surprised that Damian Pierce is is RB number one and is going to get the the workload here. If you look at their running back depth chart, I think Mack and Burkhead kind of occupied a lot of the same space as far as what they bring to the table, what they do for that running back room, what they do for that offense. Uh, and if you're looking further on the depth chart, I mean, like, I don't know, like maybe you can have somebody like a Royce Freeman who maybe uh, turns into something later down the road. He's still uh, pretty young, I guess. I, I don't know. I think Mac is who he is, and Burkhead gives them a lot of the same tools. But Burkhead has maybe proven it on this team in this scheme with this roster, with this quarterback before versus Mac has not. I don't know. Did that, Nico, did that surprise you at all? Or did it kind of give you pause for a second and then really make sense when you looked at it? Yeah, I think that it really, it kind of like, they really want to have a diversity of threats. And when you're having two people that one has already proven themselves, it's, it's hard to make the decision to be like, well, this guy has potential, so it's it's mm. difficult to say. So, yeah, but I think that it, I think it's a correct decision overall. And I mean, if you're really looking at it, and you have the Damian Pierce slide into that that first slot, and then you have a guy in Burkhead who has had some very he had some very solid games last year, and so you're kind of splitting hairs in that two spot. Like you're not going to. 
I, I don't know. It's just one of those things where if Mac, it would be different if Mac was fighting for that first that RB one slot. But even even if Pierce didn't show some of the things that he showed in in preseason or in in the practices, and it was going to kind of be a running back by committee uh, approach, I think that Burkhead was probably going to eat up a lot of those snaps anyways and so yeah it's not a huge surprise I think the biggest thing honestly walking away from this for me anyways that sticks out is just how glaring some of the depth stuff is that we've touched on in previous shows but one of that those areas when you look at receiver I mean on the depth chart right now, they have four receivers. You have Nico Collins, you have Brandon Cooks, Philip Dorsett, and Chris Moore. That's your receiving core. A lot of receiving cores are made up of of six guys. And when you, you cut it from six to four, and then you have, you're probably going to have at least one receiver that gets banged up, misses a few games. Now you have three. I mean, you're getting into the territory where you're uh, – an injury or a COVID test away from not even being able to run four receivers deep. I think that is telling maybe on, uh, on on what they're expecting for their tight ends. Maybe that's telling on, you know, how much play some guys like a guy like Burkhead is going to get in the passing game. But I think if you're looking at this team, they're the third team as far as waivers is concerned when that clears tomorrow afternoon. Uh, the third team in the waiver order that sh- probably should be a priority is just trying to add to that depth whether it's uh, or, or on the practice squad making sure there's receivers that you really think could be somebody and really making some good cho- choices for who you're signed to the practice squad as far as receiver because they very well could get bunked up pretty quick because that depth is so shallow the other spot and we knew this weeks ago was uh there's just a a real shallow reserve of players in the secondary. But that's something that was going to be apparent. I mean, Corey mentioned that, what was that, almost a week ago now, that that was going to be something that kind of kind of follows them like, like a shadow a little bit through the season. But I think, you know, just seeing that with, uh, we talked about uh, Mechie out uh, with leukemia, but just seeing four receivers on your depth chart and, today's NFL kind of shows just how crucial making some really good decisions is tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, it's a, it's a real, it's a real tough spot to be in. There's just, you're, you're just, you're cutting it so close. I tell you what, any like Broncos receiver, any Pittsburgh receiver, I think those have got, they've got to be the guys for some reason, whatever film they're looking at, that's different than any of the team is getting they're able, it feels like every single time you cut on a preseason game for the Broncos or the Pittsburgh Steelers, it feels like those guys all over the depth chart at receiver are making plays and looking looking really, really good. So maybe those are the guys, again, they have uh, the third spot on waiver priority. So maybe those are the guys, the teams that you target as far as these, they, these are the teams, two teams that made these cuts. We're going to grab their receivers. Maybe, maybe you can strike gold there. Uh, I, I don't know. But you definitely need some depth and you need to, to prepare for a very long NFL season. Other than that, I, I didn't see too many surprises, too many big things. Uh, yeah, I, I think that it's going to be interesting. And really, depth was something. Uh, I, I know Corey mentioned this. I don't want to refer to the prior shows too much, but Corey did mention this on Friday's 
uh, last Friday's show about just depth in general for this team. And then when we were talking, Nico, on Monday, I mean, this is where you need young guys to step up. And so when you look all over this roster at some of the, whether these are starting guys or whether you've got guys deep in the deep in your your reserve as far as the the third stringers who are rookies you need guys to start showing stuff right now because all of a sudden you get to week 10 week 12 week 15 you've had some injuries and these guys are going to probably get some considerable minutes if they're still on the roster and so having those young guys it's just going to be so crucial for them to mature quickly and see if you can have some guys step up and and, and plug into to key slots but as far as the 53-man roster cut, I wouldn't say anything crazy surprising. But I want to get to our our next segment, Nico. We're going to take a long view of the season, and we're going to rank the months of the season for the Texans based on their schedule. And this ranking for me, I'm not going to go with a strict format here, but basically it's the, the best month is going to be the month where you think they can get the most wins or at least have the best games. It's not going to be a ton of blows. It's going to be interesting games. It's going to have some promise. The worst month, obviously, is the games that are going to be kind of a grind to get through for us as we cover the Houston Texans. But before we even start ranking things, Nico, I'm going to throw some categories your way because I, I was looking at their roster uh, and I've been looking at the roster or excuse me at the roster their schedule the last couple of days getting ready for this show and what stuck out to me is there seems to be a couple of categories the teams that the Texans play this year fall into so I have five categories that these teams fall or excuse me excuse me I added a category right before we start recording six categories so we have the O teams, we have whose roster is this anyways, we have sneaky good teams, sneaky bad teams, can they, the Texans, actually win this, and the last category that I added is the Bears. So those are our six categories for these teams <laughs> <laughs> that we have. That one was just to make myself smile. Uh, so we have these six categories for the O teams that they have to play. I would put the Chiefs. The Chargers, the Broncos, surprisingly enough, and they actually slip into another category. We'll get into that in a second. But the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Broncos, and I threw the Raiders into the uh-oh category as well, just as far as having to prepare for this te- for the team that you're playing that week. Those are the uh-oh categories. The uh-oh category. What do you think of those those collection of teams? And those are probably all going to be losses, I would say. Uh, yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty safe assumption. Uh, I mean, like they, these teams are just the most competitive out right now. Uh, I feel like the Raiders are kind of. I think that that's an interesting sneaky choice that you had there. But pretty much everyone else, I think, is just they're just the most competitive teams that we're playing against. Yeah, it, just looking at this whole schedule. Well, I mean, for the the Raiders side of things too, you're not playing them the first month of the season, but I mean. October, it is, what is that going to be? That's going to be seven games in. I still think, I mean, you're probably putting Derek Stingley Jr. on Devontae. Uh, I still think he's getting acclimated to the league at that point. Cornerback is such as an instinctual. And this, the NFL has so many good receivers 
it's going to take a while to acclimate when he's probably going to be assigned some of these best players. That's a tough assignment. I think that that one is just ripe for some disaster there with how, and again, I mean, you get through a couple months of the season, the Raiders, maybe they have a couple injuries. They're another team that I would say is pretty shallow as far as their depth is concerned. But if you're playing a healthy Raiders team, they have a very, very solid offense. That one could get lopsided pretty quick. The Chargers, I mean, Herbert is such a good quarterback. He is such an insanely good quarterback. Very underrated, I would say, just because of some of the lack of success the Chargers have had. But that is going to be, and their defense is healthy really healthy for the first time in a couple of seasons. That's going to be a scary one. Chiefs, obviously, we don't have to talk too much about that, but the Chiefs are the Chiefs. That one's going to be a scary game. I wanted to talk about the Broncos a little bit because they slide into the second category I have, which is whose roster is this anyways? Where, like, you look at the schedule, and if you look at it first glance, you think, oh, maybe those will be some games. But then you look at, I would say the Broncos and the Colts, and the Eagles all fall in the whose roster is this anyways? There's been enough turnover on these rosters where it's going. I mean, again, the Eagles are a playoff team. They won nine games, but now they add AJ Brown. Now they have another year getting Jalen Hurts acclimated to the system. The defense is going to be solid again. That could be a very scary offense. You look at the Broncos, they add Russell Wilson, and they get healthy. Think about all the time that Judy missed and Cortland Sutton missed last year. These offensive pieces. You think about they have the dual-headed running backs. Uh, they have a very good defense. That's going to be a scary team. And you look at the Broncos and you think about maybe Drew Locke comes to mind right away. Or you think about some uh, maybe like Paxton Lynch, some weird quarterback situations. Then you remember, oh, they have a really good quarterback to plug in next to what has been a perennially good defense and all these offensive pieces that were injured last year, they're going to be back too. I would say the same for the Colts. I think that Carson Wentz was so bad last year and such a such a bad passer last year that they really leaned so heavily on that running game that that offense didn't really look it was so one-dimensional. It didn't really look like, I think, the version of the Colts that you're going to see this year. And so with Matt Ryan coming in, and you have this team that I think is going to be totally remade. I think this offense is going to be very different. I think they're going to be a, a, a scary team coming in here because they're going to have a quarterback that can stretch the field. You're going to be able to use all of this different stuff now. You're going to be able to utilize all of these running backs because they're going to be able to do all sorts of screens and stuff like that. You're going to have running backs running routes out of the backfield. And then you're going to be able to come back to one of the top five best running backs in the NFL and Jonathan Taylor. That's going to be a really scary team. Also, very solid defense there in their own right as well. So as far as this group whose roster is it anyways, I, I think that you're going to see some teams where if they had played last year, you're liking this matchup. Now that they're playing this year with the team that they have, I don't think you like this as much. Yeah, it's not looking great for us, but, you know, it's it's fine. I think we got some wins later down the, later <laughs> down, down the season. Down the stretch, down the stretch. So sne- we have next, next category, sneaky good teams. Uh, I have the Miami Dolphins in this category. I think that they are going to be really good, but I got to, Nico, I'm coming to you in full honesty. I'm coming out to you, to my friends and family, to the listeners. I am a Tua believer. It's true. I am a Tua believer. I am one one of the people out there that still has 
real estate on Tua Island. I still have my my beachside condo, still living there six months of the year, still have that property secured on Tua Island. I signed a lease for another year. I am booked on Tua Island, not going anywhere. When I look at him, all I can see is the throw to throwing Devontae Smith open against Georgia in overtime to win the championship game. That's all I can see. That's all I can see. And I can make all these excuses. I think if you believe in Tua, at this point, you either believe in him or you don't. You think he can come around or you don't. I can throw all the reasons that I want at you. Uh, and I will say, if this is the year that he's going to pop off, it's going it's going to be this year. It's not going to be any other year because now you have all the weapons. And it's not just the receivers either. You think about he's got Chase Edmonds in the backfield. The defense was good last year, really great at taking the football away. And so this is the system that he can win in. I think people underestimate that. And so though that's the, that's the sneaky good team that I have. Also, I threw the Browns in here. Just because I think that it's going to get to week 11 and the Browns are probably going to lose some games that they probably shouldn't have lost and people are going to forget, oh, this is the week that Deshaun Watson comes back. If you look at it, it's like mid, mid, I don't know, mid-October and you're looking at it and you're like, you know what, maybe that game is more winnable and you forget, you forget Deshaun Watson is coming back that week. That's the one that's going to be, it could be, and now maybe they rip off a bunch of wins and it's not sneaky, but I think that there's a potential where mid-October they lose some games they're not supposed to lose and people maybe forget a little bit. That's the game Deshaun Watson comes back and that's a sneaky good team as well. And so those ones, I think those are going to be two really tough games too. Back-to-back too. You know, they had to make sure they had to – the the eleven game suspension, not the ten game suspension. Yeah, exactly. For the yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm <laughs> sure that was random. I'm sure there's no way that was a plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not even not once, not once did they they think about. That I've one. got a question for you since we're talking about this game right now, and I'm looking at the schedule right now. I have it up, and it's a noon kick. If the Browns win a few games and they're hovering around the top of the uh, of the AFC North, do they flex that game? I mean, like, there's a possibility, but that's kind of frustrating to think about. Because I get the Texans. I mean, and again, I don't have any, I don't have any fantasies about what is going to happen this season. The Texans are probably going to be around that three to five win mark, right? So it, it could just stay in that spot because the Texans probably don't have a lot of wins at this point in the season. But if it's the first game back for Deshaun Watson and they're fighting for the top of that division. They could flex it, which would just be worse if Deshaun Watson comes back and throws four touchdowns on Sunday Night Football versus in a new game. That's <laughs> that's tough. Yeah, I mean, this just make it even worse. Man, like, when I was looking at this earlier, I don't know what, like, got into my head. And I was like, these are winnable. I'm like, man, this is so tough. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Uh, yeah, I, I didn't mean to make anybody feel bad, but it's, it's going to be – it's a – it's a brutal schedule. It's a brutal schedule. Sneaky bad teams. I have two in this slot. Cowboys and Titans. Cowboys, I think, could oh, potentially yeah, be a mess. They already have a bunch of injuries on their offense at receiver. Uh, they're expecting a lot out of a rookie receiver already behind. It, it looks like behind uh, behind Lamb was it uh, Tolbert, I think his name is. Uh, and also, I just think there's some teams that 
situational football is always going to come back and bite them. Like you look at, I don't know how much of a college football fan you are, Nico, but I'm a huge college football fan. And watching the Nebraska Northwestern game, when they kick that onside kick, even though they're up 11, you go, oh, here we go. Here we go. They're going to let them back into this game and they, they might actually lose this game. They lost eight games last year by one possession and they're going to do it again. They're the most entertaining bad team in the Big Ten and they did it again. And some teams just always get bit by situational stuff. I feel like the Cowboys are that team. And then the Titans, I don't know. It feels like they kind of missed their window. And now like there's some weird like Burke stuff. They trade AJ Brown. There's some weird Burke stuff where like they keep him late in these preseason games because they're not really seeing what they want to see from him. Tannehill has to shake off a really bad playoff performance from last year, and you don't know when that Tannehill, when the Jekyll, when he's going to Jekyll and Hyde, and the ugly Tannehill is going to come back into the picture, and then, <laughs> and then Derrick Henry. I mean, I I love Derrick Henry. I don't. I wish nothing but the best for him. I do not want any players to get. I don't want any players to get hurt. But when you're given a running back 300 carries in a season. I mean, there's an expiration date on those running backs, and it's sooner rather than later. And if you're expecting him to carry, to shoulder that load again, coming off a broken foot, that's tough. That's tough. And I think their defense probably took a step back too. Yeah, I mean, like as 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 a native Houstonian, it's 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 part of my job to hate the Cowboys. Um, (laughs) It's in the job description. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, they're like, oh yeah, you're on the show, and also you have to hate the Cowboys. I'm like, ah, it's a price to pay, but I'll, I'll live it. All right, and then you know, it's yeah, it's. I mean, so like, it, it's not really like I'm not like this is the most 500 team in literally their entire history, so it's always a coin toss. Yeah, and and that's one of those games too where you could probably talk me into like. All of a sudden, it's the fourth quarter. It's a three-point game, and there was a really stupid special teams thing, and now the Texans have the football and that chance to take the lead just as easily as you could talk me into. And Dak Prescott has thrown his fifth touchdown pass of the afternoon, and the Cowboys go up by 21 in early in the fourth quarter. Both of those scenarios I can definitely see. But I think because it's the Cowboys and because it's McCarthy and because of the, some of their history with this situational stuff – I can see them being more of their worst enemy than any of the other teams maybe on this uh, list that we've gone through so far. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right, now we go to can they actually win this? This is the Jaguars, the Commanders, the New York Giants. I mean, they drew the, the NFC East, which is a good draw. The Washington Commanders are going to be bad. Carson Wentz is not a good quarterback you've already had some injuries to some key guys uh robinson in that unfortunate unfortunate shooting you had the the injury to chase young uh it's already i think going south for washington before it even gets started they're going to be a bad team and then the new york giants i think they could have some interesting stuff people are going to keep tabs on them because a lot of people are going to have uh saquon barkley on their fantasy team uh they have a big fan base a lot of people are going to be invested in that team because they either have a couple fantasy players or I mean got, people are going to draft Kadarius Tony for their fantasy team or it's because of that big fan base but that's going to be a bad team too Daniel Jones isn't it uh, it's it's a weird situation I don't I don't think that's going to be a very good team so those are games and then the Jaguars honestly don't know 
I honestly don't know. I Trevor Lawrence could have a big year two. It could just be that Urban Meyer was so weird and bad that that really hampered him in the first year. Or they could be still bad, and that's a really – those are two teams in very similar positions kind of duking it out two games. So those are the games I think they could actually – win of those because they play the Jaguars twice obviously and then that's four games of those four they could probably win a majority of those actually yeah so like we're, we're looking pretty all right hey you know what like like I said the they're probably gonna be a three to five win team at max five is like the the ceiling for sure uh and then the last category the Bears the Bears are gonna be the worst team in football there you go the Bears are going to be the worst team in football. Name a name that's, a Bears receiver that's, that's outside tough. of Darnell Mooney. I I wouldn't I couldn't I wouldn't. Their offensive line is that, struggling in preseason. Struggling. Fields is running for his life in preseason games. Their defense. They've been selling pieces on their defensive side of things. That was what kept them in games for so many years. I mean, even Montgomery's a very okay back like there's nothing no part of this team outside of fields that you really get super excited about and they're just going to be really bad they're i can see them winning two games maybe 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 we're going to have a discussion i bet we're going to have a discussion in mid-november can the bears go 0-17 i bet we have that conversation i was going to say if you have them winning two games who do you have them beating (laughs) (laughs) i i it would have to be one of those things where it's like a really – I don't know what the Bears' schedule is, but maybe like a really like cold game in Soldier Field where the field is a disaster and it's freezing and you get like a team coming off of a short week, something like that. Where it's like one of those like funky like 9 to nine to 5 victories or something like that, you know, and there's no touchdowns. Like maybe they just muck up a game and get a win there like that. Uh, I, I don't know, but it, it's going to be a struggle for them to win any games. So they're they're going to be the worst team in football. Right. That should be a win. Right. I vote that they beat the Lions twice, but only because I don't believe the Lions is a real football organization. <laughs> Not buying into the Hard Knocks hype, huh? Uh, I am. I, I I've talked to my brother extensively about this. I have never seen a single person in my entire life wear like anything Lions related. <laughs> and I was like, I, he told me, he's like, yeah, the Detroit Lions. I was like, the who? I, and he's like, the Lions. I was like, that's not a real football that's, team. That's a college. I had a buddy in high school who really loved Calvin Johnson. And he, he loved Calvin Johnson at Georgia Tech. Like he was like an OG. You know, like when you fall in love with a guy in college and then you just kind of like root for him like you're you're you hope he does well whatever pro team he ends up on well this friend in Mm -hmm. high school he took it a step further where he just full-on became a detroit lions fan uh and then he was like i'm not a bandwagon fan and so then after calvin johnson retired he just kept being a detroit lions fan which by the way nobody was accusing him he's like i'm not a bandwagon fan and i was like nobody's accused anyone of being a bandwagon detroit lions 
there's no wagon to get on there's nobody there there's just like a a dead fire in like one of the saloons with like the the door off the hinges and the cobwebs in the window there's no wagon to get on you're not he's like i'm not bandwagon fans like that's not even a thing that people would ever believe is is a real uh, a real thing that would happen as a bandwagon lions fan but it was really funny and so because of that so that's the one detroit lions fan i know is is the moral of the story? Yeah, okay. So you, so you have one in all of your years. You have one person. <laughs> one person. <laughs> it's a Detroit. We have Lions one person. Fan. I live in the Midwest, and we have one person that I I found as a Detroit Lions fan. So, anyway, so now that we've gone through our categories of the teams and what the the season kind of looks like, let us rank the months of the season. I I had to go with. I'm thinking November is the best month. Because you play the Eagles, the Giants, the Commanders, the Dolphins. You probably lose to the Dolphins. Yeah. I think you win two games there. And I think the Eagles game is close. You're at home. The Eagles game is close. Yeah, that one's, that, that one looks pretty solid. It's between that one or like December if we get lucky in like the Cowboys game. Yeah, it would be. Because that's the Browns, Cowboys, Chiefs, and then. Yeah, Titans. Yeah, we could we could probably win two or three of those. Yeah, it would have to be the Cowboys game that you win because I don't think they beat the Browns or the Chiefs. And then you have the Titans. The Titans. I mean, you could you could probably steal that one on the road. And like we said, Cowboys are going to shoot themselves in the foot. Let's put let's put December then number two. Uh, number uh, September would be number three. The Broncos and Chargers, you beat the Bears, Broncos and Chargers is going to be losses. And then I think the, the Jaguars, I think you kind of figure out what kind of team that is because that's the first week of October. And so that one could be could be a real bummer or it could be good. So you're going into, so yeah, I, I would say September is probably third. Oh, that's the Colts, that one. Okay, wait, let me organize here. So we have... November 1, best month. Second best month is December. I would say third best is probably probably September. Just because you get to beat up on the Bears, maybe. <laughs> yeah, we should get, the, oh, we should get that W right just there. Just get a huge win over the day. Bears. Uh, yeah, and October, October 4th, I mean, again... The Jaguars are either going to be actually a competent team or not, but I think you kind of figure it out there, and maybe that swings it. Maybe maybe October is a little better than September if the Jaguars are bad, a little worse if the Jaguars are actually good. Playing the Raiders, I think the Raiders game could be tough. And the Titans, actually, you know what? Maybe maybe October should be third. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, outside of the Chargers, you're looking pretty, pretty winnable. Yeah, because... Jaguars could be a mess. Titans, I think, are not going to be that great. And then Raiders, I mean, again, the Raiders are, I think the Raiders are one of the more shallow teams in, in the league. If they're coming in banged up at the end of October, maybe you have a shot. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That one could be a toss-up. Uh, I know it's only two games, but the end of, or the start of January, excuse me, are we counting that as like a month? I mean, they got two games, but I think they're both pretty winnable. That Colts one, though. If the Colts are 
like trying to to oh, figure out seating that true. could be tough on the road yeah yeah and like i feel like historically we just have a terrible track record against the colts even even in previous years when they weren't even good and we still somehow like just absolutely throw for no reason yeah okay okay that's a to texans special after discussion the final ranking the most enjoyable texans month of the season will be november the second most enjoyable will be december caveat on december too if somehow by a miracle the texans actually win that game at home that automatically gets to be the number one month for the texans you're just happy the rest of the year uh, but that's why that promise is why I think it could get slotted in. Plus, you could potentially beat the Cowboys. There's a lot of promise in December. So that's why it's number two. I'm going to make an executive decision. September goes into the third slot. You're going to get to beat up on the Bears. Maybe you can steal one right away in the home opener against the Colts. So that is number that is number three. September is number three. October is number four. That one, again, question mark with the Jaguars, Chargers, Raiders, or losses. Titans, you could probably win at home, but that's a couple of losses. And then January, lastly, I the Jaguars could ruin some things if you lose that one at home to close out the season. That's a bummer for your last home game. And then playing the Colts. The Colts are probably going to be a playoff team because I think the Titans regress. And so they're probably going to be playing for seeding. I don't think it's going to be like a situation where it's just their B squad. So that one could be a real bummer too. So that's your official ranking of which months of the season as a Houston, Texas fan, you're going to enjoy most to least. There we go. We did it. We got through it all. I'm proud of us. Ranked. I can't believe it. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. I cannot wait. We're I'm going to be back. I believe Corey has something planned. There was some technical stuff that we're getting fixed, but I believe Corey is going to be back tomorrow with a show. We're for sure going to have a show Friday. All three of us are going to be back for a Friday show, taking a look at regular season football. We're here. We made it. The drought is over. We're getting started with regular season football. Might talk some fantasy stuff. Might talk some gambling stuff. Definitely going to preview that. As well as I got, got a surprise, Nico. I got a little quarterback segment that I'm working on. I'll have, I'll present it to you and Corey uh, for your for your approval, for your disapproval. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But I got a little something cooking up for a quarterback segment as well. That's all to look forward to on Friday's show. Nico, it's been a pleasure as always. Everyone, make sure that you are subscribing to the show. Make sure you're subscribing and listening wherever you find your podcast, and then going and checking out. The Battle Red blog as well. Lots of great content there. I'm your host, Colt Molesky. He's Nico. Thank you so much for listening to Battle Red Radio.